Hello and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I am your host, Al the Brewer, and I am so glad you are listening today. This podcast is for anyone that wants to learn more about craft beer and the culture that surrounds it. Whether you're brand new to the scene or a vet of craft beer, I hope you find something to take away from this podcast. So, pour yourself a beer, pull up a bar stool, and enjoy. Cheers. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. How in the world are you doing? Oh, today, today, today. Oh, I've got something fun for you. So, I've got a couple segments on my podcast. Generally, it's the I Know Nothing About Beer, where I explore a topic, uh, a question, something where I try to learn something from my guests. Um, Then I've got my dad into beer as well, talking to dads and their lives and how beer intersects with all that and being a dad. Um, I've kind of got my own little rants and raves. Um, But this segment is called The Pious Pint, and... This segment holds a really special place in my heart because my first thoughts about what this podcast would be, I thought it was going to be a, um, how do I put it? I really thought it was going to be more like these segments the whole time. And I thought I was, um, well, let me just go this. The Pious Pint is where I see beer community and God kind of come into one. And that's what I want the pious pint to be. I want to live in that space where all three of those kind of intersect. And so today I'm talking to a very good friend of mine, Seth Nichols. He has his own podcast called Known. He is a uh, a part-time pastor, preacher, whatever you want to say, at a little church down in Arlington. And he's a very good friend of mine. He has been my friend for the past couple of years. Um, when uh, not too long after I moved to Texas, we got to know his family, which is uh, they're awesome people. Love them and him to death. And it was so good to talk to him because we both have a a connection to this church that we both grew up in. Not that we went to the same church itself, but the same denomination. And if you don't speak uh, Christianese, that means this type of church. So you have like Baptist, you have Pentecostal, those may sound familiar to you. I grew up in a denomination called the Church of Christ, and the Church of Christ has its own set of, of weird and awesome all at the same time. And so one of the things Church of Christ generally not big fan of, alcohol. So for me to come out of that denomination uh, for a set to come out of that denomination, we had some very, um, some things that I think that if you've grown up in a religious household, you'll be able to relate to this. If you didn't grow up in a Christian household, I still hope that you listen to this because, or even a religious household, um, I hope that you listen to this because it's really a conversation about finding your own, finding your way, um, and finding how um Sometimes standing out in a crowd can be a great thing, uh, also be a challenging thing. Um, it's it really is the most. Um, it, it's the the episode where we talk about God the most, and I love that. And if God is not your thing, I understand that. Um, I empathize with that, and I hope you continue to listen to this episode because of the conversation revolving around um, two guys finding their way through all this. Um, Anyways, I'm going to let the episode speak for itself. I really do love this episode. I had such a great time. Seth is a great guest. I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you've stuck around this long, you got it. You know what it is. You, you're in for it. You're in it. I love it. Thank you. Um, if this is your first episode, I am so happy about that. And I encourage you to take a listen to some of the other ones. Check out season one, uh, season two, episode one with Grapes and Grain Gals. That is a great, great episode as well to start off with. But if this is number one for you, amen. I'm so excited for you. I don't think you're losing anything. Um, I just think this is probably like one of those, like it's just a different one to start with. Um, but I'm glad you're starting. So anyways, okay, going to shut up. Have yourself a great rest of the day, morning, noon, or night, whatever this may find you. I am so excited about this episode. This is the Pious Pint uh, segment of the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. I hope you're having a good... Oh, I just did that. All right, I'm going to stop. All right. 
Thank you. Love you. Cheers. Everyone, welcome to the I Know Nothing About Beer podcast. This is Al the Brewer coming at you with a special guest, a buddy of mine that I am so excited to have on the podcast. So this is a segment where I talk about how beer, faith, and community kind of merge into one into this nice little, that Venn diagram, if you got in your head, where they all meet. That's where I hope this podcast, this podcast series uh, kind of meets. So today I have a good buddy of mine. Seth Nichols, um, we have known each other almost the entire time that I've been here in Texas. Seth, how you doing? We have, yes. Yeah. I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing really good. Good. We're, we're talking on up. A, yeah, you, you, you came in with energy. I did. You, I did. It's because I haven't been around the kids most of the day today, so uh, <laughs> it's, it's left. It, you, you do have energy when you're not around the kids all day. <laughs> you got it. Well, also, you have four children. That's true. That is, that is a bit of children. That's true, depending yeah. on how you want to quantify but no, that's after. I, I like to count a couple of them as double. Yeah, but. that you, you've got a bit of children, so you got it. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you're on, man. Coffee. Um, Coffee. I'm amped up. I'm ready to go. Okay. I know well, this is a beer podcast. No, no, but but, but what are you drinking? Uh, whatever they had at start. I just told them coffee. You just told them coffee. Black coffee is. You know that's like, my that's one of my favorite orders because the, the the glazed over look of like, what do you mean you just want coffee? Right. I've gotten I've, that I've a asked times. them before and they roll their eyes at me. Like, you have coffee here? Yeah. So I'm here. So you're here. Great. You got? Now, uh, Seth, part of the reason why I wanted you on is that you are a pastor at a little church of Christ. Of sorts, yes. Of sorts. Yeah. Yes. We're a post-church of Christ, I think. Oh, you're a post-church yeah, of Christ. Yeah, it is little. It is little. For sure. I love your little church. Not not to awesome belittle people. it. Yeah, yeah. No, but I've led worship there a couple of times. It is a wonderful you community. You did a great job, too. Yeah. I, I will say I'm glad I had the opportunity. We look churchy, but we're gritty. I mean, like there's some old folks out there that, um, you know, they look like kind of like what I grew up around uh-huh. and it, they look like they're really easily offended. Totally not that way. Love them. I mean, that's great, awesome. great body of people. That's awesome. No, I, I've loved every time I've gotten to lead worship at your church. It has been just a, a very fun time. Very good. Good, good time. stuff. Yeah. So I have you on today because we started a conversation, I think it was two weeks ago, and mm-hmm. I was like, save this for the podcast, because you, uh, we were babysitting your kids, actually. That's right. Yes. Thank you. All the kids. And um, it was, oh, it was a fun time. Um, but what we started off talking about, and uh, we'll get to this in a little bit, but about alcohol and the church and why that's still kind of a taboo subject Mm-hmm. Um, at least for the church that we've grown up in, the church traditions that we're part of, yep. uh, that we continue to be a part of, even if they were kind of post those traditions mm-hmm. in some way in those churches, they're still very much rooted in that. Yep. Um, also, I'll say for me growing up in Southern California, to me coming out here in Texas, noticing the difference in how people treat alcohol is 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 um, noticeable. It is. It's as different as the East is from the West. Yes. So um, before we jump into all that, um, I want to get to know you a little better. I want our audience to get to know you a little better. Um, Tell me about your own kind of faith journey, and then tell me about your journey of learning about booze, alcohol, and where you're at in both of those. Okay. Uh, Faith journey. So I grew up in Texas, Bible Belt. Uh, grew up on, I was like born on the pew, man. Yep. I, I have like to this day, I've been in church probably all but 10 Sundays of my life, which I know like for a lot of people that total like that's totally licensed to write me off as a credible individual. <laughs> and, and I get that and yep. I appreciate that. Um, so like totally been attached to the church my entire life. My dad was like a deacon, but he's a really quiet guy. I mean, mm-hmm. he was sort of my role model, my hero growing up really attached well to my dad. And, uh, I saw like a lot of integrity through him. So there was always something really good about it. He was not like one of the, he was definitely not beat somebody over the head with a Bible type. He was like gotcha. really flexible and, uh, pious and all that. But we were in really conservative, really conservative church. So like mm-hmm. we thought everybody else was going to hell if you weren't a part of our sect type, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, we just, you know, knowing my dad and my granddad, uh, they thought, they probably thought somewhere that, you know, if you believe the wrong things you're going to hell uh god's really really mean 
But we sure do hate that. You know, they're like, they were really good guys, but they still, you know, had this really, really harsh image of who God was and this structure that you're supposed to live by and all this stuff and all these rules you got to follow. So I grew up in that. And then uh, whenever I began in high school, I started going to what then we called a liberal church, which is really ironic looking back Mm -hmm. because, you know, they had like a praise team and stuff like that. Um, And so... Which most people listening now and... And um, <laughs> most people listening now going like, wait, they had a praise team. Like, what, isn't that just like standard? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. This is like, I mean, I didn't realize how far out there right on the spectrum we were amongst like Christianity as a whole, the two billion people. Now, now let me pause you here because something I, I, I want to explain out because I think we're getting deep into the, a little deeper into the weeds about the tradition we grew up in. I want to, and I want to just kind of explain out and, and interrupt if, if I'm getting, if I'm going off too far. No, you're fine. Okay. Um, we both grew up in the church of Christ, mm-hmm. which is traditionally told itself is a non-denominational denomination, which I still think is so much fun. Um, some of the things about the church of Christ, if you do not know, uh, one is that um, they are really big on acapella. Um, yes. That's kind of one of their defining things. So when you say that they had a worship leader or yeah. a worship team, it's not that there was um, what's the thing that's stunning to you about that is that you grew up in a church where there's one person, a man leading the church yes. with a hymn book in his hand yeah, yeah, yeah. and a, probably a yeah. hand keeping time, something like that. Oh, it was so jacked up. I mean, there's so many unwritten uh, rules about, you know, worship oh, and all that stuff. Oh yeah. No, no. I'm just giving the general yep. church of Christ. That was it. Yes. I mean, it, it all, it all sounds ridiculous because it was ridiculous um, in so many ways. And, 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 but there's a reason why all of that happened. I'm just, go ahead. No, no, no. And, and I, and I get that, but I, I just want to explain out the yep. tradition of why that's so funny, because when you grow up in a church where like, it's one man leading the song and they keeping time and they are making sure that you yep. are on time and you can see them when, cause I've done, I've been in churches like this where like, if you're off a little bit, the eyes kind of go towards you. Like I'm hearing you. Son, let's keep, no, no, no. You can hit tenor on that. Yeah, oh, there we go. Okay, let's keep going. And four-part harmony is a big deal. Yep. Um, to then going to a church where there's a worship team, where there's multiple people up yep. front leading and maybe women up front leading. Yep. Um, for a lot of churches in the Churches of Christ, that's a big jump. Yeah. yeah, it is. And so, like, if you put us on, like, the, the grand map, you know, mm-hmm. out of the Enlightenment, came the Christianity that broad American culture knows, which mm-hmm. is uh, essentially it was a, it's a rules-based religion. And it just so happens that I think we were probably in one of the most extreme, rigid, rules-based sects of that religion, SECT. We, yeah, we've had, we've had some uh, rules around our denomination. Right. So, when, so you, when you said, I went this, from this to this to this... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had this really unique combination of like, I was in that, but it wasn't really our heart or personality that we were like mean about it in our family. It was mm-hmm. just like, that's just what we thought was right. And so, um, so I saw good people mm-hmm. in a really, really flawed system. And I think that's why I hung on to sort of the heart of it. And I never, I'd never once in my life really thought that I was ever going to leave church. Yeah. But I have completely transformed on the inside. And the reason why I haven't left the church, I think, is because of uh, my relationships with those people, like my dad, my granddad, mm-hmm. uh, and then a, a few other people that were mentors to me growing up. But, you know, when I went off to college, I started actually studying the stuff that we're supposed to know. And I realized yeah. that there was people have been quoting sound bites their whole life at me, like in Bible mm-hmm. class and in church and from the pulpit and all of that, that they had no idea what they were talking about. Like they, they didn't understand like historically what this verse or gotcha. what the, what the yeah, Bible yeah. was even about, what it was saying and things like that. And as I actually just studied it in context and things like from a pretty, you know, decently objective, mm-hmm. you know, uh, look at the Bible, then I realized, Oh wait, there's actually, this isn't the story at all uh, that I thought it was. This is not gotcha. about like God establishing some, you know, rules based religion and all this. And, and of course, you know, where I'm headed with all this, all this has to do with like our view towards alcohol and, and everything else. But, um, I, I started to transform from that, yep. but I always sensed and believed and knew that there was some sort of beauty in there. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of people, uh, as I've seen them, like they, they may know that, but 
the only reason that I kind of held on whenever I realized that this was all a load of crap was the people that happened to be in my <laughs> life and influenced me. I think like I I think that kind of connected me and, and kept me connected and allowed me to transform without having to leave because otherwise if it was just like all this stuff written down on paper and I'm reading it and going, what is this? Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I'd be out gotcha. because none of it made sense. None, none of it made. Sense. Okay. So, um, my faith journey totally transformed in college. And then like, I don't know, like every three or four years, it seems like I'll go through another phase at which mm-hmm. I, uh, start to learn about something else and start to see something else than what I've seen. Like I went through a phase where I thought, you know, uh, basically you didn't love Jesus or, 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 uh, you weren't doing any good for the earth unless you sold all your possessions and lived like, you know, uh, some, uh, totally homeless guy or whatever, you know, gotcha. and social justice warrior or whatever. And then went through, you know, another phase where I totally got into science and studying evolution and things like that. And then I went through, uh, I've kind of been on like a chaos and order, like a psychological, you know, end up like I've been on that theme for a few years, but each okay. one of those has changed my life actually, not hmm. just a head thing. So gotcha. And so now you're the pastor at, <laughs> The Parks. Park Road Church. Park Road yeah. Church. Park gotcha. Road Church. I want to see the Parks because I go to the hills yeah, yeah. where there we is met. A, there is a Parks. There is a Parks. Parks Mall and stuff. Okay. It's right down the road. But yeah. Park Road, that's what it's called. Park that's Road. Right. You yes. got it. And how long have you been the pastor there? Uh, it, well, I started visiting there a few years ago, about gotcha. three or four years ago. But uh, I, I actually became a staff member in November. Okay. So... Just gotcha. less than a year. Less than a year? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you're, you're, you're closer to a year than yes. not at this point in time. Yeah. 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 Okay. So how did they treat alcohol? So, well, I'll say this. The the question was, how did you grow up with alcohol? Okay. Yeah. 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 So we just didn't do it. Hmm. We didn't, there was never a drop of alcohol in our house. Gotcha. It was not a subject of conversation Mm -hmm. for a really long time. Um, For me, that had a, I think a positive effect in some ways because it was like, I'd, I never had that driver temptation. I think it was a pretty healthily attached kid and things like that. Um, but then I learned whenever I was in high school, mm-hmm. my brother, who's uh, six years older than me, he started drinking and stuff. And I guess I would have been in junior high at the time. He was a senior or so in high school. Mm-hmm. And he got pretty heavy into it. Gotcha. But it was a really taboo subject. And whenever, like, I didn't even find out about it for a long time. I, I guess my parents were afraid that, like, to talk about to it would influence it. you, and the next thing you know, you're going to Yeah, be, yeah, who knows? I mean, they, were, they yeah. were embarrassed or whatever. But um, as I grew older, like, I realized that they're not really as much, like, anti-alcohol. They were pretty much just afraid to do the wrong thing. And gotcha. that was, like, kind of across the board with a whole lot of rules mm. that we grew up, you know, being exposed to. Like, you can't do this. This is on God's checklist of, like, don't do. And so, um, I... I I think like later on, like I never heard them rail against it or anything, but like later on I realized that they're, they're more, they're more of the belief of like, well, you shouldn't get drunk. Like getting Mm. drunk is the cardinal sin. Gotcha. Like it's not having a beer or whatever. That's where they would have stood, but it was silence. Mm. Like we never talked about it. So then you kind of have that. Did you grow up? Did you yourself keep that kind of in as your kind of like, no, towards see, alcohol or? yeah, no, like whenever I went off through, uh, to college and I said, I kind of mm-hmm. went through a transformation. One of the things, you know, that, that I, that I learned was, wait a second, you know, like Jesus drank and mm-hmm. there's alcohol all throughout the Bible. Like people, it w- was not an issue. And then I studied a little mm-hmm. bit of the history of America and realized like, oh, this is kind of like a puritanical belief here. Mm-hmm. And this is where we got this from. And, uh, and, and whenever I realized that, like, there's a part of me that was like, angry towards my church or the church in general mm-hmm. for a long time growing up. Uh, I mean, for a long time after I grew up just from what I had been exposed to growing up. And so gotcha. I was sort of mad at them, but I wouldn't say I was like upset with my parents. It was more of like upset at the church establishment. I think was more of that. And gotcha. so, and so where are you at now? So I know that's what you're talking about up to college, but now where does alcohol sit like with you and with your household? Well, I mean, kind of the same place that it's not it's not an issue. Like mm. when I say it's not an issue, I just don't think about it much. I have alcohol in my cabinet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when I do think about it, it's kind of in terms of like 
um, in, in terms of like if there's a problem. So mm-hmm. if, you know, if there's somebody that actually has a problem with alcohol, then like uh, if especially if it's somebody in our in our community group or anything like mm-hmm. that, um, you know, then it may be an issue. I, and, and I haven't had this come up where I'm like, you know, have to pull some pull somebody aside or whatever. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, I've thought about, you know, um, different relationships in my life. You know, how do I approach this? I have had one person really close to me that was alcoholic um, and I've approached that. But um, yeah, in my, you know, in my in my in my own house we just we just don't talk about it much i'm very open with my kids about everything gotcha there's mm-hmm. nothing off limits they know that we drink they know what alcohol does and stuff like that yeah and so it's always been about like self-control for us and things like that that's something that we're that my wife and i are really um and i'm saying my wife and i because people may be listening to this and not know that i'm married so that's why i start you yeah. know kelly very well um but something that kelly and i are very much trying to do is not make it the secret mm-hmm. not make it the the thing that's hidden and ooh, what's that um we're very much um uh i think for two things one we're way too lazy to try to hide something like that <laughs> because uh, i i enjoy beer and i like having a beer with 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 dinner and uh charlotte now knows because we don't drink a lot of soda at house she looks at like a coke can and goes mm-hmm. beer i'm like no no honey i'm just having a diet coke and she's like oh and then she's kind of confused because we don't have a lot of soda. Like it's really not something we drink at dinner all the time. It's more likely I'm having water with dinner mm-hmm. or a beer or wine with dinner than a soda with dinner. So it's, it's always fun to see her go like, like soda. Like, like what, what? Is, what is this non-alcoholic? Yeah. That you was, have here? And then, I mean, she has no idea. My daughter's three. So um, she has no idea really what alcohol is. She just knows that right. daddy and mommy like have these things that she's right. not really allowed to have. Right. Now I have like done the, like put my finger in it. Do you want to try it? And she's like, no. Yeah. She just yeah. looks at me like, no, my, yeah. my daughter, if one thing that she has, it's uh, like, a, like this, I have no idea where she got this uh, amount of like self-confidence in. No, I'm really good without that. Like, I don't want to try it. Dad, no. But then I just try to bugger with it. But now then it goes a game. But really, she looks at me and goes, no, my right. mind is made up. No. Right. Yeah. You, you kind of like reverse psychology owner or whatever. If you want her to it, stay it away from it for now. It would be great if I thought about it that way. But it really <laughs> is just her on her own. <laughs> um, I, I kind of trust my kids to like grow up a little faster than the law does in general because uh-huh. the, you know, like people can grow up pretty fast if you just yeah. let them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I got, I got a little bit chatted by my wife the other day for letting my, my 11 year old drive in our neighborhood. But, um, you know, she was like, wait a second, that's <laughs> against the law. <laughs> that's a little against the law. <laughs> and so like, I would be totally fine, but I am trying to like, you know, stave off the alcohol and keep it away from her for, you know, a long time. Uh, but, I, I don't really, it doesn't bother me. I just don't want an underage drinker because we kind of follow the law most of the time. Gotcha. Gotcha. So the, the thing that really, I think, got us talking and got us going, hey, we we should probably have a conversation about this is the thought, and I got to put it this way. If you grew up in church, you might have heard this statement uh, called uh, fence laws, okay? Mm-hmm. Where there's a thing that you're not supposed to do, and I'll, I'll break down this way, and I, and I feel like I can break it down this way because I've grown up in the church. I know these things. Excuse me. The fence laws, and they work like this. We'll say, don't get drunk. Okay? Right. So the, the, the rule is, don't get drunk, which most people agree with. Not, not the best thing in the world. Me, as a 38-year-old now, um, I have almost less of a moral objection and more of a physical objection to getting drunk mm-hmm. because three-year-olds don't care if you have a hangover. Right. That's, that's really, they do not care if you have had a hangover from the night before, like, and now it's not even like a soul matter. It's a, I've got a three-year-old that does not know what hungover means. That's a challenge to get daddy off the couch to come. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and Tend so, needs. and so the, 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 the goal is don't get drunk. Okay, great. So what do we do to not get drunk? Well, there's moderation, but moderation is fuzzy. So instead of making sure. fuzzy around it or gray around it, there's a fence. There's a, well, then don't drink. Mm-hmm. And then don't drink becomes, well, instead of just don't drink, let's be extra safe and make drinking not something that's uh, anywhere near seen as good. Right. And then it turns out to be even a bigger fence of, well, we're going to tar- start to uh, not approve of people who do drink 
even if they are not in the church. And then you can keep going out and building more and more fences until you get to this point where you're like, wait, 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 I, I thought it was not get drunk. And then you're, you're looking at all these different fences yeah. a mile away. And you've just boxed yourself in to a very lonely place. Or you've boxed yourself out to yeah. a very lonely place. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And so uh, part of, uh, that's something that I think you and I are both very familiar with. And if you're listening to this and going like, what in the world are you talking about? Yeah. Ask someone who may be in a religious tradition. They'll probably understand what, what someone means by fence laws. Yeah. I mean, this goes back to what I was talking about a second ago, mm-hmm. like with, I mean, that was everything in our religion, you know, like we had like five steps to salvation and things like this, mm-hmm. but I mean, there were rules in our tradition and it was funny in the church of Christ because it was dependent on which church you were a part of and what your pastor yeah. thought, uh, who, by the way, wasn't a pastor. He was a minister or an evangelist. Minister. See, um, and we even had because that was like an unspoken rule too. But yeah, there yeah. was rules against you know gambling, against uh, mixed bathing, you know, like the swimming, against dancing, and, and uh, like we even got singled uh, yeah, out yeah. for donating to a children's home one time because that was something that uh, somebody come up with a rule that like that you shouldn't. Uh, yeah, so on and so forth. And we we can so go off in examples th- that like, that all was night like long. Yeah. that was everything that we did, and so there had to be a rule on alcohol. Or these rules that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, there's all left up to different people's opinion. But that whole system is black and white living in what is actually a spectral world. Yeah. Right? Because like what in reality isn't on a spectrum? Mm-hmm. Seems like everything. I yeah. mean, like any sort of activity that you want to take part in. Like you could take it to one extreme or another extreme, and then there's all these, you know, like any decision that you have to make, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's with your finances, whether that's with like where you work, mm-hmm. whether that's with, you know, like uh, just how you treat your wife or what, whatever, like everything that we do is literally on a spectrum. And so, I mean, in the large picture, I see this is like, we're trying to break out of the black and white rules living because they quit working for a world that is gray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm in, in my own growing up with 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 booze. Um, it was not something that I had a very early examples of booze being a negative mm-hmm. just in my own life. And then in my own family history, um, the my dad's father, I never knew him. He died when I was, I think, two. Mm-hmm. And so I never I, I don't think I even met him. Um, but I know that he was an alcoholic of some sort, um, and other people down the line have been alcoholics. So it's something that has been in my family before. And so there's always been a watch out, um, with my parents. So your dad was like the one that reacted to it. Is that, was he the pendulum swinging one way or my dad, um, he, he saw, he grew up in a very not loving household. I don't think my grandmother has ever said, I love you to my dad. Mm -hmm. And so when he got introduced to my family, to my mom, my, my mom's family, um, he saw something different and he wanted that. And so, and, uh, my grandfather, and there's a whole other story about my grandfather and my mom's father as well, uh, becoming a preacher and, and their life story, which is, which is a whole other podcast Mm -hmm. series. Um, but the negative that I saw in alcohol was not from my grandfather, the preacher, not from my dad, who has a father who was an alcoholic, was my uncle, whom I saw get drunk. And I knew from mm. a very early age that did not look good to me. You knew, you you sensed intuitively that there's something wrong with well, that. Well, they were just idiots, him and his buddies. And so I was just like, there's nothing that appeals to me of being that stupid. Right. I don't mind being stupid, right. but the stupid that I saw in them, I was like, that's just no, there's no appeal to me in that. So I had a very early age of like seeing them do stuff that I was like, that's just not what I want to be a part of. Mm-hmm. And then my own growing up in, you know, going to a Christian university and it wasn't that alcohol was outlawed or by the university, because if you don't know this, there are some Christian universities where they're like, you sign a piece of contract that says you will not drink the next four years. Right. Um, That was not part of our deal. But um, my friends that I knew either got wasted or didn't drink at all. Yeah. 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 We had this, this very similar experience. So it was, it was like one or the other. And I was like, I I didn't know where I fit. 
mm-hmm. you know, for, for a while in all that. So it wasn't until uh, after being a missionary, coming back and starting to explore alcohol on my own, really, that I found out more about the gray that there is around right. alcohol. Right. Yeah. And that quote holds, you know, being drunk, you know, sin, which I understand. And I've seen what, um, I, I, I don't even know if drunk's a great, I don't know if we have a great word for it. Yeah. Cause in, that's spectral too. Right. I mean, yeah. it's like, yeah. what's drunk? I, I don't think, I think it's more about, um, uh, a self-control. Sure. Yeah. You know, I think it's more, um, the heart of why to me, it almost always goes back to the heart of why are you drinking? You know, mm-hmm. are you drinking to enjoy this beverage? And yes, mm-hmm. it may have alcohol, it may not, whatever. But are you drinking to enjoy this? I think it even counts to like diet Pepsi and diet drinks and things like that. Are you drinking because you need it? Mm-hmm. If you're drinking Diet Coke because you need it in your life and you can't live without Diet Coke, you need to re- rethink about your relationship with Diet Coke. Right. You know, if you are looking at alcohol or like a beer and you think I can't go another day without having this beer... You need to rethink of your relationship with beer. I think it's the heart of the matter. It's it's the heart. Why are you partaking? It, it, it's, a, it's a little bit like playing whack-a-mole. Like, you know, you can kind of white knuckle mm-hmm. this one bad habit of yours, mm-hmm. but it's going to pop up somewhere else. I mean, you know, so alcohol is that. I, I, I remember having those, those lines in the sand and for mm-hmm. a long time, probably like early 20s, um, that was, that was like the line in the sand for me was don't get drunk. And I remember just kind of like, I knew that at that mm-hmm. point in my life, God is not a rule maker and I'm not supposed to just be following rules. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like progressing to that point in my faith, yeah, but, yeah. um, but I did have a rule in the back of my head and that's like, well, don't go past two drinks, you know, <laughs> because I still thought, well, I know it's wrong to be intoxicated, or at least, you know, that was where I was at. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I remember even even as a youth minister, because that was what I was in like 20, mm-hmm. 24 to 26 range, 22 to 26, I think I was a youth minister. Mm-hmm. And I remember this was in that period where I was really upset with the church, right? Mm-hmm. For all of the things that I'm learning now is like dumb and not part of Christian history and all this. Mm-hmm. So alcohol is one of them. So I'm trying to like drink and then not let the church know about it. And by drink, I just mean like have a glass <laughs> of red wine or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would like stuff it under the bag of Doritos in the cart at Walmart because we're in a small town and You're the last thing you want is somebody knows. walking up. I wasn't afraid to tell them that I thought alcohol was okay. Yeah. And I did do that sometimes, you know, would be like, it's not a sin, you know, but I was afraid to let them know. And then later I realized that's a problem for me because I'm living a double life and I don't want to live like that anymore. Like why would I put myself in a place where I'm going to have to act like one person here and another person there? So no, no one wants to be in that. Just the whole hiding it thing. It created a problem for me. I could have gone without it, but I was too stubborn, man. I was just like, Mm. no, no, no. I've got to prove to whoever myself and my friends yeah i gotta prove that you know i will i will i will top this whole bottle off and still be a christian thank you yeah yeah so that was uh that was where i was at for a long time Hmm. gotcha i see and i'm and this might be a good segue into like what i've well part of the other part of what we wanted to talk about was in california i grew up in a really conservative church it's funny because i talked to my wife and the church that she grew up in West Texas was more liberal than the church that I grew up with in Southern California. Yeah. Which is totally backwards. Which from is the way totally backwards because I grew up at a, and I, I still love this church. Like I love the people at this church and I still love um, how much this church loves other people. Cause they really do a good job of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were definitely rules Mm-hmm. Um, and things that you weren't really allowed to, uh, like kind of say, you weren't literally allowed to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, booze was one of those things. Mm-hmm. And it, it's funny because I, I uh, and then uh, and in California, there's almost like a, because also booze is so much more accessible. Yes. There's no like going to county line in California. There's no okay, blue I'm, laws. There are blue laws. Okay. But they're not moral they're tax oh okay. okay so i'll put it this way um in texas september we're recording this before september 1st but september 1st they're just going to be allowed to let breweries sell beer out of their brewery yeah which is really jacked up 
which is like a amen hallelujah right we're the last state in the nation that's gonna allow that right you know right. that's that's our like you know now being a citizen of texas i get it like we're, we now get to do that yay yep how that came about and why it took so long i don't know in california breweries have always been able to sell because the state taxes them very well mm-hmm. and so it's not so much oh what are people going to think about us selling beer out of the brewery it's oh where does the money go mm-hmm. and so it's much more of a money matter than a heart matter right which has its own set of problems but the moral stance in alcohol is there's it's it's 99 to one mm-hmm. you know no one really thinks of like how is this morally going to affect the community because you can buy a fifth of tequila at the the they don't have Kroger out there they have Ralph's yeah you know so when I first came here um I, I tell my my friends this story um my we part of why we moved out here was because my mother-in-law was dealing with her third round of cancer and we or second round of cancer we were like this might not be very mm-hmm. much longer and you know it was a Sunday afternoon and she wanted a margarita and I ran out of tequila so I thought, oh, let me just go to the Kroger and go pick up. Nope. And there is none. There is none. And I'm just like, people, I just want to make a margarita for my mother-in-law that is dealing with cancer and chemo. And I don't know if she's going to live. And I just want her to have this margarita. And thankfully, you know, she's very much alive and well and doing great. But um, the fact that I couldn't make this poor woman a margarita just to help her out for the afternoon was really upsetting to me. I've run into this, and it, it has a counterintuitive effect on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, it's like my my wife's from Alabama, and so she's one of the most conservative places in the country. Yeah. So they just like uh, it was like two years ago, I think, that her her home county passed uh, laws that said you know it could sell alcohol. Period. Mm. And so they, I mean, they have they're a major like kind of hub of religion across the South, just this area in yeah. in Alabama. And all of the stuff that, all of this stuff gets pushed underground. Mm-hmm. Like alcohol gets pushed underground, you yeah. know, drugs gets pushed underground, but it's all there. And it makes it, mm-hmm. uh, it just makes it spread underground in a, in a lot more dangerous ways a lot of times. It doesn't allow, it doesn't allow grace to be present. Because mm. you're not letting anything that may be a problem be allowed to surface. That's right. Yeah, yeah. You're just shoving it. You know, you're you're shoving everything back, and so, um, and partly because the church, and I'll say, the church that I kind of grew up in, and then the churches and the the culture that I see around me now, doesn't want that there. Mm. You know. They they may say, if you are a drunkard, we want you at church. Just don't be a drunkard. Right. You know? Fix yourself first, and then... If you're going to come, make sure you got up. yourself right. Don't be threatening my don't, security and yes. stability and you know? so on and so forth. And, and granted, I don't think I want anybody really showing up at church drunk. Like, if you're going to be drunk, just be drunk. You just don't want to deal with drunk people in general. I just don't want to deal with drunk people in general. And I get that. Um, but I don't think that that I don't think that shoving it down helps the church be more graceful or 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 having churches not um Having churches being part of the reason why you want to hide that away mm-hmm. does not help someone feel the grace that should be there. Right. And as long as you're suppressing it, you'll never know how much it owns you mm-hmm. until you let it, until you let yourself be free. Mm-hmm. Like whenever you take off all the really, this could apply to so many things besides alcohol, mm-hmm. you know. But like if you just say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. Like now so many people have a knee jerk reaction. What about, you know, self-discipline, blah, blah, blah. But when you allow yourself to do that, then you all of a sudden Mm -hmm. find out what it is that you're drawn to. And if you'll not slip out of grace in that moment, you'll ask yourself the question like, okay, why am I drawn to this? Why do I keep doing this? Mm -hmm. And like, what's behind this? What's motivating all of this? And you'll find some really amazing things out about yourself that you could actually find healing from we mm-hmm. suppress it i can't tell you how many pastors that i know who i don't know what it is about the the porn thing but mm-hmm. the, the like 
uh, like anything sexual, you know, affairs or just like talking to other girls online while you're married or Mm -hmm. porn itself, it is like major, major in the pastor world. Mm -hmm. So much so, I I would probably say like most pastors, I I don't have stats on this, but um, I've certainly like, I've dealt with so many of them. Like I could tell you, really awful stories. You're like, how is that going on at church? Well, when you get to know somebody and you find out like, oh, well, if everybody found out about this thing, then they're doomed. Like they they have to go yeah. find a different career path. Yeah. And so it's really easy to justify it if you're that person. Yeah. Well, I mean, this is the same thing with if you were growing up in my family 20 years ago and you drink on the side, like if people find out about it, mm-hmm. then you're doomed. So what do you do? You yeah. know, you grow it in the dark. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, and this is part of what I think you and I were, were, were really wanting to also part, uh, you know, start off in, in the podcast was, um, kind of what would you think would be next steps in all of this? Because, um, part of the thing that I've done in being in the church and, um, when I was in California, being involved in the church. So we used to have like a, a full college group. Um, we went to the university church of Christ mm-hmm. at, uh, at Pepperdine and, uh, we had a college group come over to our, our apartment, my wife mm-hmm. and I, we were just married. And, uh, I just went up to the the leadership and I said, hey, look, I've got a kegerator. Um, I pour beer on the weekends. It's around my house. I've got wine bottles out. If that's going to be a problem with you, this is, I'm probably not the person for this. And they looked at me and they're like, why would it be a problem? And I was like, Hey man, this is why I like this church. <laughs> and they're like, look, you know, you're not going to get the students drunk. So we're not really worried about it. I'm like, that's pretty much it. And all the students were underage. So I wasn't worried about even them like asking for a drink, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice. Um, and I worked at Pepperdine, which you're not like allowed to drink with students, which I'm glad that that rule is there, but it has its problems. Um, but it was so freeing for that moment to be, I can be myself. Mm. And I'm in a community that goes like, yeah, what's, what's the big deal about that? Um, and then it was great to be around these students and talk to them about drinking, about all these other things that I had been, I had dealt with when I was a college student and to try to be this other example of, mm-hmm. yes, there's a gray area. Like, yes, I know that such and such gets wasted and such and such, you know, abstains and thinks it's of the devil. But there's also this way of like, look, you know, my, you know, where's your heart in all of that? Yeah. So for, for me, I think the, the way that, the way that we, the best way that we heal from all of this, like as a, as a body and even as a culture is to actually uh, put faces and names to all of this so that it's not an issue anymore. It's actually real people. Like um, mm-hmm. our church kind of did this with a, uh, with the, 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 oh, I don't, I don't know how far I want to go down this, but we had, uh, we had somebody who was a transgender in our church uh-huh. uh, years ago. Yeah. And all of a sudden that's no longer an issue. It's a person. Yeah. And whenever you're forced to deal with real people, instead of just like Twitter rants, yeah, then it totally changes things. It, it rubber meets the and road. What people, I think, what a lot of people who are like, if you consider yourself fringe uh, at a church, or if you come in and you're a visitor but you're not part of the core membership, mm-hmm. so many people need to know how important they are and how they can change the culture of the church. Because here's what mm-hmm. happens. If somebody inside the church tries to change it, like I'm pastor, I'm like as core as you can kind of get in, yeah. in our church. If I go in and say, okay, we're going to open this up to where we're like, we're going to have uh, beer at our party next week at our church get together or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Right. Everybody looks at me and says, oh, he's got an agenda. Well, you know, of course I have an agenda. We always have an agenda, yeah. but it, it's like this really funky, like power play game and things like that. But if you, Joe, like you're a fringe guy that we're trying to get, like we want to get you closer to the church. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you you visit some and like we want you part of our family. We want you to be more mm-hmm. involved. If you bring beer, then we got to decide, are we going to love you? And still, yeah. And so a lot of people like that are on the fringe and stuff, they have no idea how much power they have 
to influence the church towards, mm-hmm. you know, like more inclusivity, more tolerance, mm-hmm. more grace, more of that, and, and actually forcing us to like choose to love people and stuff. Mm-hmm. So whenever you're in the middle, it's just, it's just issue oriented and, and, and can get like really ugly really fast. Gotcha. So uh, our church is currently like, we are, uh, we're, we're a cool group of people in regards to so many things. Alcohol is generally one of them. Okay. But we're not there yet. We're not even close to being there hmm. because like we got a lot of older folks in our church and I don't know of a single person who thinks that like drinking is a sin. Uh, I was just at a, a, a men's gathering, men's retreat a couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago that uh, there was all kinds of alcohol there. Even some of the older guys showed mm-hmm. up. Everybody's drinking and having a good time. It's not like we're like doing it in secret, you know, mm-hmm. as if we're some covert group that's like yeah, spun yeah. off. And and so this is the church we're drinking, mm-hmm. but it's out at a lake house, right? And I'm like, okay, one of the things we're trying to do is we're trying to get more guys together here because our church like needs some more some more dudes in it. Um, yeah, I'll take a Crackberry. Okay, thank I, you. I, 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 I'm trying to do this. <laughs> no, all, all yeah, no, slide. you're holding it up. It's cool. But, uh, um, no, no, th- so, th- this, if anybody doesn't know, like I've got to talk just Bishop Cider Crackberry. If if you just you need it. like the the general like people will kind of love this drink, whether they like beer or not, Crackberry is really good. Just like yeah, that. yeah, right. I've had one before. It's pretty good. Let's we'll, we'll crack it open in front of. There you go. How about this? How there about that go. sound? Does that sound so good? Um, Continue. <laughs> sorry. I know you'd appreciate it. I just went to the fridge to go grab some more beer. No, so. but one of the things that we want to do at our church is mm-hmm. we want to get more more guys in, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, come on. Craft beer. We're in Arlington, Texas, right? <laughs> I mean, this is not a big deal. But everybody at our church still has this weird thing about like, oh, could you do that in the building? You know what I mean? Like, there's no... And, and well, I don't know a single me, person that could tell you there's logic behind that. And let me, and let me explain something to, the, to, the, uh, to whoever's listening. Um, the Church of Christ is not big about things being holy. Yeah, like, yeah. There is We're no, not Catholic. Is We're no, not Episcopalian. We're not high church. There's no, there's no item. There's no place. There's no building that has an extra special holiness around it. So when you bring up something like, can we do that in church? It's like the church has become this extra holy spot, but it's like, wait, what happened to the whole, like nothing here is really super holy. Yeah. We've, we've always said that and we've always championed that because we were really, um, Mm -hmm. we were the anti high church people. Yes. We were like, uh, the, the priesthood of believers was the tagline that we were giving, Mm -hmm. you know, everybody's the, the pastor's nobody special and so on and so forth. The building is not special. It's just a building. There's no ordination in the church of Christ. There's no, but um, it's that fear based. Like, yes, it's that, I don't know about this. I don't know if we can do this. Mm Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm not really sure what. I'm not sure if, if if we can have alcohol in the church because then what does that say to everybody else? Right. And then who's everybody else? Um, general public, the people that you want in this church that so, go. What I'm saying is, if you're yeah. a visitor, you could help us out by bringing in a Crackberry and sitting on the back row and drinking you, it. Next time I'm leading worship, I'll just pop one open <laughs> in front of everybody and go, hey, everybody. If you say Seth told you to do that, then it becomes Seth. a power play, right? <laughs> so I kind of self-defeating. But whenever we're forced to have to make that choice, that's whenever things start to change a little bit. Sorry, but my wife just walked but, by and she gave me a look of like, wait, what, what, what? And now she's waving me off, like, don't pay attention to me here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, cheers. Cheers. There you go. Mm. Mm. Okay, so where are we headed next? Um, that's kind of where I was hoping to head to. I'm liking what, the, what this has all been. So what did, uh, what is, what is, <laughs> if you are, if you are a Jesus person, okay. what does Jesus think about alcohol, right? What is in Jesus general? Like, alcohol? Cause that is a relevant question. If you are a person of faith, Here, here's, if you're not a person of faith, totally get it. But if you're a person, of you faith, may also be surprised if you're not really familiar with the Jesus story, you may think that Jesus had a similar puritanical uh, attitude towards alcohol. Here, here's my, here's my, what I think Jesus thought about alcohol. Yeah. Okay. Um, first off, let's, let's, I'll do historical Jesus and okay. then I'll do what I think, you know, the Jesus is in my head. Okay? okay. Historical Jesus for one would not know what alcohol was. He knew what wine was. Yep. Um, and how we translate the word wine. He knew that there was uh, a beverage that was safer to drink than water. 
mm-hmm. he knew that that beverage, along with probably one or two other beverages that weren't aren't really mentioned in the Bible, um, but were around at that time that would be similar to a beer um, in that area. And the Sumerians have beer? The they, Sumerians the that... made up beer. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, so. they're the first ones to write down the, the, the recipe for, um, which is way before Jesus' time. But right. there were drinks that they knew that got you buzzed slash drunk, mm-hmm. okay? And in that time, I'm guessing that the idea of drunk was what we kind of consider um, to be wasted. Yeah. That's my thought. Um, The Jesus of history, and I'm going to separate the two real quick. Mm -hmm. The Jesus of history knew that you drink enough of this and what you think of as yourself, your mind, goes a little wacky. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that... He probably only knew, he probably um, drank wine, whatever a, a version of beer was, probably every day, morning, noon, and night. And not to say that he was drunk or buzzed morning, noon, and night, but that that was the best thing for him to drink at the time. Hmm. Think that, so? I do think so, because okay. there wasn't, water wasn't really the greatest option. You know, there was well, there were wells where you could get fresh water Mm -hmm. that hopefully wasn't poisoned or wouldn't give you too bad diarrhea. Right. You know, because diarrhea was kind of a a near death sentence at that time. It was, it was not good to get diarrhea. If your body couldn't fight it off, you were, you were done, you know? Yeah. Um, So there was water that you could drink or there was wine slash whatever beer type of drink there was Mm -hmm. at that time. So. And milk. And milk, yes. yes. But even milk, it wasn't like it was It was a drink at, at the, the breakfast table. No, from what I've much, read and, and understand, pretty much water and wine. Water and wine was, were pretty much the two main, main, main beverages, we'll mm-hmm. say. So the Jesus of history probably drank a whole lot more wine than what we think he would have drank, mm-hmm. just because it was the thing that you drank. Right. You know? Um, did he probably feel the effects of alcohol? Yes. Now, I'll say, let me separate Jesus of history, Jesus of Scripture. Jesus of Scripture, um, from all the gospel accounts and even from Acts, um, they knew the difference between drunk and regular person. You know, we have the mm-hmm. the Pentecost, mm-hmm. the moment where everybody's speaking in tongues, and people walk by and go, hey, everybody's drunk, look at them. You're like, no, 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 it's 9 o'clock in the morning. Even people back then knew, 9 o'clock in the morning, you should not be drunk, okay? <laughs> Get a really bad problem. You got a really bad problem. You're drunk yeah. at 9 o'clock in the morning, you know you need some Jesus. Right. Okay? Um, but we'll say, I think the Jesus that of, of the Bible knew drunkenness, Mm-hmm. and knew that that was not something worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. That that, um, the drunkenness of trying, and I think part of it goes to, is drunkenness is trying to numb, take care of something that um, you're not fully facing, that you're not letting sure. yourself fully encounter or deal with. Sure. Yeah, like any time that you see drunkenness listed, Mm-hmm. Um, and the Bible doesn't like list sins, so don't take that um, like a, a lot of people. But anytime you see it in in like a list of mm-hmm. things that people do that are you know that we shouldn't do, it's like debauchery, mm-hmm. greed, gluttony, yeah. laziness. Um, you know, it, it, it goes through the litany of, and it's painting a picture of the lifestyle of a person. Who's basically like, you know, wasting away, who's attached to all of these other things and not. You know, you know what I would love to see? I would love to see uh, a word study on difference between debauchery and drunk. Right. Because when I think of debauchery, I think of someone like down in the gutter, wasted all the time. Yes. You know? Yeah. That's what I think about debauchery. When you cannot survive without that drink. That's yes. You know? I think there's more, not grace given, but I think there's, there's a difference in, oh crap, I've had just a little too much or, oh my goodness, I'm enjoying this party with my friends or I'm going to a wedding and I'm enjoying 
this time with my friends and family and we're having wine and we're having beer and we're celebrating two lives come together and then coming to the hotel and going, oh my goodness, I drank too much. But man, that was a great time being and celebrating that union. Yeah, yeah. I then mean, it's a Tuesday night and the only way I'm going to get through work tomorrow is if I drink this amount of alcohol. Yeah, it was, it was always about giving yourself away to something mm. that he is has become in control of you, right? Mm. Like it, th- there's this move from I, I control it, and I'm pulling from it what I want when I want mm-hmm. by my own power and volition to all of a sudden. And of course, this is spectral; it doesn't happen when you flip a switch. But all of a sudden, mm-hmm. this thing has control of me, and it's pushing yeah. me along through life and telling me where to go. Yeah. And now I'm a slave to it. I mean, that's just kind of. Yeah. That's just kind of like the 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 setting in which like all of the discussion of drunkenness in the Bible is couched. Mm. You know, it's like that lifestyle thing you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Now, mm. The thing that changed it for me, um, a, a big one that changed it for me, is whenever um, whenever I started looking at the story of Jesus turning water into wine. Right, in the, the that's a popular one. The, the fr- well. It's amazing that I grew up. I mean, this is that the the cognitive mm-hmm. dissonance that you can live with and not realize if you're selling. I mean, I grew up and and I never even realized this until I was like mid twenties or something. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, like going through my master's degree or something and realize, wait a second, like Jesus made wine. wine. Yeah, Jesus wasn't anti-alcohol. Like, <laughs> sounds really <laughs> simple. I had heard that my whole life, but it was always about the can miracle. I tell, can I tell you that's like one of the most church of Christ um, things you could ever see. Yeah, say. yeah, it's for sure, man. I mean, like, it yeah. just shows you, like, how crazy, no. how much dissonance you can live with and not even know it. But, you know, when you look at that story, even to this day, um, you know, the there's this story where, where Jesus is at this party. He's got these big pictures pitchers of Mm -hmm. water um they're holding you know like 20 30 gallons each and then and then he changes them into wine but it says in there that like the chief uh of the party who comes in he's in charge of this whole thing it's all going down because Mm -hmm. these people are uh they've run out of wine they don't have anything else to drink and can i just stop you there yep if if whatever the size party this was Mm -hmm. and in the bible i think you've got it up there it doesn't say it says there's multiple of these in some way. It's, it's, it, the, the, the word is just plural. Okay. So this party has already gone through multiple of 20 to 30 gallon mm-hmm. jugs of wine. Right. This party is going. Right. Like if you are, if you've gone through 20 or 30 gallons of wine, uh, a bottle, 375 milliliters um, is not a gallon. <laughs> Okay. This, was, this would have been a big party. This would this have been was a, a big party. This was a n- not very common party because uh, you would have uh, spent a lot of your life savings on your child's wedding. You know, uh, this so is this was like dad's been saving up for a really long time. This is not. This has nothing to do with lifestyles or anything like that. No, this no, no. was like we're having a hellacious good time because somebody got married. Yeah, and so there's a you know there's like a master of the ceremonies, a master of the banquet, and it and and he says in here and. I'm, I'm studying this in the, like the Greek, you know, and it's undeniable because I'd, I'd heard a couple of kooky explanations about this, but you know, he's like, everyone brings out the choice wine first and the cheaper wine after mm-hmm. the guests have had too much to drink. And, and you're but reading directly you, from the Bible right now. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But you have saved the best until now. Now, there's there's a very there's a very deep spiritual narrative there because like John is not talking at all about wine and stuff. He's mm-hmm. actually like foreshadowing the cross there and all this. But but if you just take it on the surface, like it took grew up, if you and just you just want to like this be guy real literal, talking about yeah yeah, you yeah. want to be really literal, and you go to the Greek and all this stuff. What he says is like most of the time. Uh, they wait until the people are completely wasted and mm-hmm. then they give them water. But he's like, but these people are totally wasted. And the word there is inebriated. These people are totally wasted and you're giving them the best stuff now, like the strongest wine mm-hmm. now. So you take it at surface level. Then you're like, wait a second. You've got Jesus here mm-hmm. who is giving people the strongest wine after they're well, already wasted, or, having a great time at this party. Or just the best wine. You yeah, know, yeah. just, just the fact that it's like, 
I'm, I'm, these people are enjoying themselves so much, so much. I want to give them something that is just going to blow right. their mind. Right. And granted, there's a whole lot of other stuff around this where like, there's a lot of levels. Woman, this that. is not my time and all this other fun yep. stuff and all this. But when you get down to the, to the root of this story, it is Jesus goes, we're going to keep this going. Yeah. We're going to provide more. We're going to provide something that is going to help continue the celebration. Well, I say that for people who are still struggling, trying to leave behind black and white thinking. Mm. Yeah. Because, you know, that for me was a moment early on mm-hmm. at which I realized, wait a second, if I'm doing like black and white thinking here, here's a really obvious, can't be get any more blatant than this. Mm-hmm. Example. I mean, I've heard a lot of other explanations about what this could have been and stuff, but come on. Oh, I've, I've when you people... read it and you just read it in context, it's, it's extremely obvious that if you're in black and white thinking, it's like Jesus, if you want to take that sort of line of reasoning, like he was mm-hmm. not anti alcohol, period, end of discussion. Yeah. I think there's so many different layers to this that is way better and deeper than that. But yeah, yeah. surface level. No. I, I totally get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that changed a lot for me. I can understand that. That that would be that would be very changing. And um, you know what? My beer is out. I'm still working on the crackberry. That's it's the crack isn't it good? Yeah. It yeah. really I like no. uh, like I like it. It's it's one of those that I can just grab as well. My like my wife really likes it, but I can also just grab well, it. Well I'm probably like the only gluten-free person that's ever been on this podcast because i can't drink be, i have to drink like special beer if i drink you, beer you might be the first gluten-free person on this podcast because everybody else that i know like we're, we're we're throwing back beers as we're talking right you right know? yeah i'll be the least educated person on this podcast no too for, no no no, uh, no, no. I'm, to beer. Sure. I'm i'm so glad you came on because i've been wanting to have a conversation like well, this i've got so many other people lined up yeah. and I think this is such a great place to start in my in in these conversations. Yeah. Because I I needed to talk out some of the things we talked about mm-hmm. before we went in and got deeper into beer community and faith because mm-hmm. I think we talked a lot about beer and faith in this one. Mm-hmm. Um and we talked somewhat about community and the further talks we do are going to be more community beer and faith. Um, and so I'm glad that we had this nice little base to kind of start off this series. And I'm really excited of how this conversation went. Yeah, it's been fun, man. It has been a lot of fun. Thanks. Yeah, I'm glad you came on. All right, well, thanks um, for having me. You have a Twitter. A Twitter? You do, you do Twitter. Yes, I really do. I, I put a profile picture up. You did. It's been this. like what? How many years? <laughs> well, okay. So my Twitter was. It's. Um, well, I don't need to tell you where my Twitter is, but if my, you don't want to say, that's fine. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, my Twitter, honest to goodness, Twitter does this thing for you. They they make you make your thoughts concise. I like what it does to you because you have to shrink it down and boil it down to a point, and mm-hmm. that's helpful for me. So I started using it as a um, as like a storage bin of thought blocks and I never try to put it out. So yeah, anyways, so I I had a Twitter for a long time and then I randomly, uh, one day for a long story, I got a, like a decent amount of followers on there. Uh, so people think that I am trying to tweet, but it's actually, it's like my storage bin of random stuff that comes in my head. So so you don't want to, you're, you're like, I'm just going to keep that my own little storage bin and you can do it. Okay. It's at Seth and Beth. That's it. At Seth and my Beth. wife is on there and she's not really a part of it, but she's like, he does that but, thing over there. Yeah, okay. no, I, I do that. Okay. Um, um is there anything you'd like have, to, 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 I, I just kind of always take the last minute or so say, Hey, the mic is yours. Anything you want to promote? Anything you want to talk, uh, talk to people about, um, like, Hey, do this, come see this, go here. Hmm. What a good question. I mean, I would uh, like uh, we've talked about our church and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I would I, I would love for anybody to be there, but uh, what I, I'm not sure if this answering your question. But what I would what I want to do is I want people, and and it goes back to what I said earlier. Like people, it man, if you're kind of on the fringe mm-hmm. of of being in a faith community or whatever, and you kind of like if you're not anti, if if you can do faith in general, to just push that envelope, man, show up, mm-hmm. show up with your beer in hand, like come mm-hmm. just like crash the party or whatever. 
And of course, if you're like in the Arlington area, come join us or whatever if you want. We'd yeah. love to see you there. Uh, what's the um, what's a good place to, for people to find Park Row? This is funny. Our, ch- our our church has an academy that's bigger than the church. So if you Google Park Row Church, mm-hmm. it doesn't know where you're it, talking about. It really about. doesn't because I've it's, had to try to Google it's directions It's across from there. Arlington High. It's Park yeah. Row Academy Park if Row you academy. just Google that. Is there yeah. a website? Uh, we have one. I don't even know what it is. I think it's parkrow.net. You're not helping me like out, that. boss. <laughs> you do, wanna, do you see what I'm fishing out here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's 21st century. So if you want to if you want to find us, come find us. We're at Park Row Church. Park Row Church. We have a Facebook didn't. page and all that stuff. But Okay. Um, you don't yeah. know the address for the Facebook page? Uh, Facebook Park Facebook Road Church. Park, Park, Park. Okay. <laughs> In Arlington. Because yeah. I did that as well. <laughs> you need to put Arlington, Texas. <laughs> Um, but, but in all seriousness, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Hey, I thanks, really man. loved having you on here. Yeah. It's been so good to talk to get these ideas out. Um, yep. and, uh, really Park Road Church is a wonderful church. I've led worship there a couple of times. Um, it's been, it, it's always so fun to go there and I love bringing my family there to just be in this community. If you're thinking like production style mega church, you've no, got the opposite of no. what we are. We go to production style mega church and, and I, I like the church that we go to. Um, but it is production style mega church. You got it. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, boss. All right. So hey man, it's been good. Thanks. It's good. Yeah. Really, really good. Thank you for coming on. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>